Defining Point Coaching and Consulting presents Kairos Conversations, Connecting with Quality, the podcast. Kairos is Greek for the right time, the right season, and the right opportunity. This podcast features healthcare quality professionals who share their journeys, their advice, their struggles, how they made that transition into a new and exciting role. My heart's desire is that you find this podcast to be inspirational to you as you make your own journey. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends and rate us on whichever podcast platform you listen to. Thank you for being here. Merry Christmas to all who celebrate. And if you don't celebrate, you are still welcome here. I want to start by saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your support. It is truly humbling to pour my heart and soul into something and in vulnerability, share it with the world. So thank you for showing up. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. Thank you for tuning in week after week. Since launching this podcast in September, we have had more than 500 downloads and more than 16 episodes. This is actually episode 17. And I couldn't be more excited for what we have accomplished together because truly I could not do it without you. Today's bonus episode is a special one because you'll hear a compilation of all the advice from the previous episodes. My hope is that you'll leave inspired And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the full episodes from the past yet, you'll understand that if they can do it, so can you. Your next role is totally within reach. You are well capable and it's not too late. Enjoy this episode. So what advice would you give someone else who wanted to walk in your footsteps or take a similar journey? Oh, that's a great question. I would say determine what drives you because what makes, in my opinion, a good healthcare quality individual in any capacity, someone who's passionate about that needs to be asking about the small details. They need to be interested in the processes. They need to be interested in what broke down. When you hear about a situation or circumstance that didn't go as planned, you should be looking for the process opportunities, the improvement potential in what you heard. How was it supposed to go? What didn't occur? You know, if that's your line of thinking, if that's your approach to things, if you find yourself wanting to fix things and help people figure out how we can do this better and looking at even numbers and outcomes and here's where we are now. This is where we want to be. How do we get there? I think those sorts of things, anyone can actually begin to do that. Even in a clinical role, there's data available everywhere in healthcare. Sometimes it's just not being captured. Begin to capture data and evaluate how you're performing. You can turn almost anything into a number. Yes can be a one and a no can be zero. You know, you can create your own data within your facility for any outcome that you want to measure and come up with a plan 
and then reassess and show that to your peers, show that to your leaders to say, look, here's where we were. We implemented this new process or this new program and look at where we are now. I think that opportunity is available in a lot of other roles before you even get into an official quality role, just taking that approach and that mindset. So what advice would you give someone who wants to do what you do? Um, so I would definitely say start working on courses. Um, the, you know, I think that the, the big thing is always you need Excel, SQL and some kind of data visualization tool. So a course or courses that encompass all of that. Start working as soon as you can on projects. So find a data set that interests you or find a data set that you can work with and put what you're learning to that project and show that you have the skills. And at the same time, it kind of reinforces your learning. I would say start networking on LinkedIn, reach out to other data analysts who are, you know, who have transitioned or who are in that field and talk to them about like what their day-to-day looks like. Make sure it's something that really interests you. Ask any data analyst for any advice because one of the things that I've seen is that we all get to the same place in such vastly different ways. Like there are plenty of people that I've spoken to who started out as a teacher or started out as, you know, one of the people that I talk to a lot, her name is Annie, and she was an OT student and she found data in the middle of of her grad school and she got into data after grad school. She didn't even go to, into OT. But, you know, so many of us get to this position in a different in a different way. And so there's so many different like paths you can take. So talk to as many people as you can and try to kind of determine like what path works for you. Revamp the resume. Make sure that you're that you're like showcasing those data skills that you definitely have. You just maybe are not showcasing and displaying in the right way right now. And I think like I think that applying strategically to jobs, make sure that it's a company that you would be interested in working for, but play to your strengths. I think that like one of the things that I realized was that first job, as long as it gets your foot in the door, it does not have to be your forever job. Right. Um, I knew very, very early on that like at some point in time, I would want to be out of the healthcare space entirely. And I didn't think it was going to happen quite as quickly as it did. But I also knew like, you know, healthcare is a great, getting into a health insurance company is a great way for me to leverage the skills that I already possess. So I think it's it's a combination of all those things, learning the skills, demonstrating the skills, networking, doing all of that stuff and really like figure out what the path is and then follow that path. One of the things that I did that I would not recommend people do is like, I took probably eight different courses on SQL. And it always started from the very, very, very beginning. And once you learn like that very first SQL statement, you do not need to go back and relearn it seven times because it's going to be the exact same thing. And I didn't really have that strategic course plotted out of, okay, I'm going to take this course and then this course and then this course, and then I'm going to start applying. It was like, let me do this tutorial, this tutorial, that Udemy course, this certificate program, this tutorial. And it kind of like, it worked out for me in the end, but it was definitely not the straightest line from learning to job. So what advice would you give someone who wanted to go into this space? Um, Yeah, definitely. So I've had the opportunity to interview a lot of people 
and people who are transitioning out of another role, especially, I think your audience may be more interested in non-traditional ways to get into quality. So I have interviewed people who've had more of a business background Mm -hmm. and IT background. And there are a few things that make people really stand out. First of all, I would say, and and to develop your own skill set, is proactively doing things like getting certified in healthcare quality. So that studying for that certification and preparing for that can give you kind of a broad-based knowledge of healthcare quality, but it it helps you stand out. It helps um, people who are the decision makers for positions to know that you're serious mm-hmm. and that you you really do want to be in healthcare quality and this is a focus. I would also say get involved with your state or national healthcare quality association. So um, the National Association for Healthcare Quality, NAHQ, or your state. And they have typically meet and greets. They have great, sometimes free, sometimes for a nominal charge, education and networking events, things like that, where you can get to know people and start understanding more about landscape and quality so that when you get into a quality role, again, you're a little more prepared. But it just helps people to see that you're, you're serious about that. If you have an opportunity in your current role to start working on performance improvement projects, you know, most leaders are thrilled if someone approaches them and volunteers, right? Because there is just so much work to do. And so, yeah, I think that's one of the best, the best things too. Not only can you highlight that on your resume and, you know, when you're interviewing, but it gives you real world experience. So I think those are some of the things that I would say are are good ways to transition into quality. So what advice would you give someone, another clinician maybe, who wants to take the same path that you've taken? They want to get out of patient care, whether there's burnout or they just want to use their clinical skills in a different way. They want to do something different. What advice would you give them? So I tend to be really an abstract philosophical kind of person, right? so, but, I, but I think that the most useful stuff is really simple. Uh-huh. And, and I think probably the best piece of advice I've ever received is never give up. It sounds simple, but it is much harder. It is hard. Don't give up. Keep learning and don't stop. Keep reflecting and don't stop. And face yourself in the mirror in an honest way. So I, I, it, it sounds like really philosophical stuff. But it is real. It is true. You will. You may come to a point where you feel alone and you have no one backing you up. In retrospect, you do. Uh, but, but, but sometimes we feel that way, right? So just keep sticking to it and keep learning. Um, and, and maybe more practical advice in terms of like a first practical step to take is take a class, take a course, right? Just get to know what the quality world is about clearly define why you're interested in it. So I think it's really helpful to write down a purpose statement. Uh-huh. Um, and write down write down your what motivates you intrinsically. Write down your intrinsic motivators, what's your purpose, and what change you want to see in the, in the future. The more clearly you can see where you're at, the more clearly you can see where you're going, write it down and make it as 
as measurable as possible, then step-by-step the pathway will become more clear. What advice would you give someone who wanted to take a similar path as you? Yeah, so I think the first thing I would say is, you know, with my experience, and again, that two years, I, I realized that if I wanted to do something different, I did need to be intentional about it. You know, I'd love to say everything just kind of fell into place. You know, it just worked out. I mean, in the end, it did. But I, I definitely was intentional about what I was looking for, how to get there, and seeking out different opportunities. So I think that's the first thing. The other thing I would say is building relationships with your leaders. My, I was, I just had such great support and I built those relationships with my leaders that were supportive of my career development and my career growth. And so I I think that's part of it too. Like building those relationships with the people, networking, however, you know, you see it um, within your company, outside of your company, and just kind of making those connections can help build um, your career growth. So what advice would you give someone who wanted to walk in your shoes or someone who is at the point that you were at before where they're like, oh my gosh, it's just not working for me. I just want to give up. Think about maybe what you've done so far and what's working. And then think about, you know, what can you be doing more of or what could you be doing differently? That's kind of what I did every, you know, couple of weeks. I was like, okay, so I did this interview. I didn't get any negative feedback, but I didn't get the job. So let me kind of reflect on that. So a lot of reflecting, definitely beef up your networking and then just just don't give up because everybody's journey is different. Sometimes, you know, you apply and you get the job on the first go around. I think that's rare, but um, I've heard ranges from anywhere from, you know, six months to a few years. So I think it just depends on your background. It depends on how, you know, how much of a go-getter you are. And then just if you're doing everything else to like networking and making sure your resume matches the job description. Hi, friend. Are you listening to this podcast wondering how you can start your own journey into healthcare quality? Or maybe you've already started, but you're hitting some roadblocks and getting stuck at the application process. Well, my friend, I've got a free resource for you. After you finish listening to this episode, head on over to my website and grab the ebook, Top Three Mistakes Clinicians Make When Transitioning into a Non-Clinical Role. The link will be in the show notes section. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. So what advice would you give someone who wanted to take a similar path to yours? Um, I think, you know, if you're looking to, you know, leave, you know, you think about as a clinician, if we want to move on to a different setting, and that's the the wonderful part about physical therapy, and, and you see it in nursing too, you can change settings if you want. Well, what do you do when you change settings? You usually go take continue education courses, or you try to shadow someone, Um, or you find a mentor. And so when I initially started looking at kind of a career shift or a change, that's when I took some college courses, but because I really wasn't sure what kind of degree I wanted to work on. And a lot of the universities offer continuing education, or you can take one course at a time. And I did that. And I think what it did is it pulled me away from an environment where I was getting a little discouraged mm-hmm. um, and it helped give me some, it kind of renewed my energy and got me thinking. Um, and I became a little more productive. I actually became more successful at my job because I just had a different mindset 
But then um, it helped link me to options where I found um, the program I'm, do- I'm doing. And you don't have to go get a PhD. I mean, it, you know, it might be that you get a master's degree in, in healthcare. And there's so many options now, even with a, an MBA. There's a lot of tracks that you can go down with an MBA that are healthcare related. That might be more research. It might be more leadership. It might be more quality oriented. There's just a lot of options and, and so much can be done online now or part-time if you have a family or you're um, trying to juggle and, and you can't quit your job and you have to work. You know, I think it's, it's more feasible now for people to take advantage of, of that. I watched my brother do the same thing just recently this year, finished an MBA and he did everything online and he did it in two years. And so, um, you know, it was, and it's been real beneficial to him. And I, I see education really as being key. I think it opens your lens. It broadens your view a little bit. Um, it helps your analytical skills and improves your communication skills. It kind of helps some of those soft skills that you might need to make connections and move ahead. And you're learning at the same time, some level of topic. But I can tell you there were a lot of skills that I learned uh, during my doctoral program that I never would have fathomed. That was part of the curriculum. <laughs> you know, it was, you know, learning how to communicate and understanding theory that I didn't understand before and and, you know, human behavior. I mean, I just got that as part of my program and just building my analytical skills. And I, I've watched colleagues that have not gone back to school and that's okay, but they, they've chosen other routes, but I see them hit ceilings in their, in the workplace because they don't have the skill set to go to the next level. And a lot of it is analytical skills. And you, you develop that, I think, slowly through your education. So what advice would you give someone else who wanted to take a similar path as you? I would say if you want to transition to non-clinical, find out, find out exactly what you want to do. Once you have a specific area in mind, research different companies and find out what challenges they face as a company and then demonstrate how you can solve those problems either during your networking or on your resume or during your interview, how you can solve the problems that the company is having. And then once you get into your clinical role, I recommend to just give yourself a little bit of grace. It's very much a culture shock, at least it was for me, going from being an evaluating clinician where I'm the expert and I know what I'm doing 98% of the time to essentially starting over. But just keep in mind that to chalk it up to a learning opportunity and a growth opportunity, because that's essentially what it is. So what advice would you give someone in similar shoes um, to you who is wanting to make that transition and maybe they feel like they don't have the background or maybe they are a clinician, but they feel they're hitting the nurse barrier. So the per- they, they feel like they have to be a nurse to get this role. What kind of advice would you give them? I mean, I would probably just say beef up your resume with other things. So you can go and even as a working nurse, you can still do PI projects and you can still submit them for posters and um, you know podium presentations and things like that. You can do those things. There's tons and tons and tons of conferences to submit to. 
but also just getting those belts, getting that training underneath you. So you have those tools to be successful. So a lot of time when I encounter with people, clinicians or non-clinicians that try to get into the quality world is they don't know the tools to go into this role. And you can be successful some of the times, you know, throwing sticky notes at the wall. Occasionally you'll get one that'll stick, but it's better if you can just throw one at the wall and it'll stick. And those are those tools that you need. So take the courses, whether they be online or in person or with somebody that's in the quality world. And it may just be like one little tool at a time. It doesn't have to be a huge class. Take the courses, learn the tools so that you can speak intelligently and be successful. No one wants to get into a job they can't do. So what advice would you give someone else who may also want to go into population health or may also want to get out? And I know you're not there yet, but based off of your experience so far, what advice would you give to someone else? Kind of all circles back to just networking, communicating. I am trying to learn as much as I can. Every person I speak to, I just absorb what they tell me. I try and figure out how can I apply that in my own my own individual approach. And it's really just trying. And it's also trying to learn like what other certifications that people have gotten as well too, because there's a lot I don't know. And I admit that, but it's just a matter of figuring out what other certifications or education that people have gotten that have transitioned out to the non-political end and how they used what they already know and grown to applying other things that they've learned too. What advice, and you've talked about this um, some already, but is there any other advice that you would give someone else who wanted to take a similar journey to yours? Um, I think networking is something we haven't touched on too much yet. So we're all very good at, as physical therapists on talking to people from all different kind of walks and um, just reach out to people in a curious, open, genuine way that do something that you might be interested in. And don't ask them if they have an opening for you, but ask them, you know, you notice that they posted this on LinkedIn and it's interesting to you. Could you ask a question that they can answer like an open-ended question just to get that networking? I have a man who's reaching out to me on LinkedIn. He's a PT and he wants to talk about partnerships. I have no interest in partnerships, but I do like him. I like what he has to say. And I plan to reach out to him and tell him that like, I don't want to do a partnership, but I'd love to talk to you for 10 minutes and learn a little bit about you because you never know where that stuff is going to take you. So I think networking is really, really important. So what advice would you give someone else who wants to make a similar transition um, maybe it's thinking about healthcare quality. Maybe maybe don't even know healthcare quality is a thing. Um, what advice would you give them? Yeah. So I would say definitely first give yourself grace with this transition. It is really hard to think about pivoting into something different. You may get questions. Why are you thinking about leaving PT? You went to school for so long for it. But give yourself that time to self-reflect on who you are, what you want to be next steps, ideally, right? I would also say connect with others, you know, LinkedIn, just in person to see what they're doing. Maybe that's something you may like to do, right? Maybe if you can volunteer in a different aspect to say, okay, I 
volunteered at an animal rescue and I did social media, which I did. And I did adoption events. And I'm like, okay, I can run all these things. That's kind of like project management. That's, you know, team building social media and say, look, I can do all these different skills and it can pivot in a different way. So being open-minded, you know, take yourself out of that you know, headspace that you're just the therapist. You have so many different skills that if you give yourself a chance to advocate and pivot that way, you can do big things. So what advice would you give someone else who wanted to walk in your footsteps or take a similar journey? I have have kind of a lot of things. I feel like I learned a lot in this process. So First, I just, I want to highlight the grief process that I went through during this whole thing. Like when I was going through this transition, there wasn't a lot out there about the emotional and psychological side of this whole thing. And that was a really big piece of it for me. There was never a point in my life where I considered anything other than a clinical healthcare role. Like for me, it was just a matter of which graduate degree I was going to get. And I was very focused on that from the time I was really young. And It can just be such an overwhelming, terrible feeling to get out there and start working in your dream career and be miserable. And there's a process of grief and acceptance that you have to go through. And that can be really difficult. And I I want anyone feeling like they want to make a career change to know that they're not alone in feeling lost and ashamed and regretful for all the time, effort, and money we poured into this career. Like there, there really are a lot of other options out there. There's, there's also so much more to you as a person than your career path or your job title. Surround yourself with people who care about you as a person and support you on your path to a job and a career that aligns with your needs and goals. Well, my friend, this episode will end season one. I hope you'll join me for season two starting in February. There is so much greatness on the horizon and so much that I want to share with you. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, it would mean so much if you would share it with a friend or a colleague. And drop me a note if there's someone you'd like for me to feature or a topic you'd like for me to discuss. Season two will be filled with more candid conversations about how to make healthcare safer and more journeys to inspire you as you make your own. So stay tuned. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you.